This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, June 16th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Stellantis stops stockpiling gasoline burning vehicles in 14 states. Nissan's COO is out. And Japan will give Toyota more than $850 million for battery production. Plus, Service Director Damon Egan has an out-of-the-box idea to help improve service department performance, a book club. I thought, what a great idea. Why can't we utilize that in a service department and really start to take ideas from different books and apply them to our business? Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Stellantis is no longer stocking gasoline-only vehicles in 14 states that follow emissions guidelines set by the California Air Resources Board, or CARB. Stellantis says it has stopped shipping internal combustion models to those states unless dealers have customer orders in hand. Meanwhile, dealers in non-CARB states can no longer get the Wrangler 4xe and other plug-in hybrids without a customer order. CARB's rules do not require automakers to sell a certain percentage of zero-emission vehicles until 2026, but Stellantis began changing allocations for the two groups of states about two months ago. The automaker told dealers in April that the CARB states are enforcing tougher greenhouse gas standards retroactively to the 2021 model year. Those standards are separate from the zero-emission sales minimums that begin in 2026. You can read more about the story at autonews.com. Nissan is bracing for more management upheaval with the departure of its COO. Ashwani Gupta spearheaded the company's revitalization plan, but he was sometimes at odds with the carmaker's CEO, its board, and its alliance partner, Renault. Gupta was once tipped as the future chief executive of Japan's number three automaker. He'll leave Nissan effective June 27th to, quote, pursue other opportunities. That's according to a Nissan statement today. Nissan holds its annual shareholders meeting the same day. Nissan says that's when it will announce a new executive lineup, including Gupta's replacement. Meanwhile, Japan's largest automaker is getting $854 million in support from the country to invest in domestic production of lithium-ion batteries for its electric vehicles. That's according to a report from the Japanese newspaper Nikkei. Toyota this week laid out a sweeping plan for new technology and a radical redesign of factories, sending its clearest signal yet of its intentions to capture a larger share of the fast-growing EV market. The government help would also come as Japan and other U.S. allies increasingly look to secure supply chains that bypass China, a major player in EV batteries. Japan's trade ministry has designated storage batteries, including ones in cars, as critical to economic security. And new vehicle demand from U.S. retail and commercial customers is outpacing expectations. That's according to two top Detroit auto executives. General Motors CFO Paul Jacobson told attendees at the Deutsche Bank Investor Conference this week that if consumer demand remains at its current strength, the automaker could significantly outperform its full-year expectations. In a separate interview, Ford CFO John Lawler said, quote, 
the consumer is hanging in there. He also noted continued strength and pricing power in the company's Ford Pro commercial business. Their positive comments underscored an upbeat report by the U.S. Commerce Department that showed U.S. retail sales unexpectedly rose in May as consumers bought more motor vehicles and a range of other goods. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, is Stellantis splitting the country in half by following the CARB guidelines? Yeah, in a sense, they are. They really created two separate markets within the U.S. And it's creating some friction, particularly on the, well, the borderlands between the two. For people in, say, uh, western Pennsylvania, if they want to buy you know, a gas-powered Jeep Wrangler, they're probably going to go shopping at a store in Ohio. And folks in Ohio who want to have a 4 by e Jeep, whether it's a Wrangler or the Grand Cherokee, they might need to order that from someone in Pennsylvania. So it's made it extra complicated for consumers and for dealers. Part of the process, I guess, of uh, working through these new laws. Interesting. Coming up, looking for ways to improve your business? How about a book club? We'll hear from service director Damon Egan about why it's working for him and his employees. That's next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's reyrey.com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. A service department may be an unlikely place to find a book club, but Damon Egan, service director at Sherwood Ford in Sherwood Park, Alberta, had his service team read The Goal, a process of ongoing improvement, in hopes it would spur ideas to boost revenue. One change prompted by the book was to move 47 hoists to cut down on dead time and improve throughput. Egan spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine about how the book has helped business at Sherwood Ford. Damon, appreciate you joining us all the way from Alberta, Canada. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, you were one of the subjects of something I think is kind of unique and pretty cool, and it's kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, a book club for service departments. And tell me a little bit how long you've been kind of trying to engage the staff in reading a book and kind of discussing it. When did this idea come to you or start with you? Yeah, we uh, we started this this whole book club, you know, for the for the staff uh, before COVID. It was around 2019 when we started this. We were at NADA and actually saw a speaker, and he had actually started one at his law firm, and he 
was talking about how much help it, it gave all the employees to engage in discussion of different ideas and how to make their business better. And I thought, what a great idea. Why can't we utilize that in a service department and really start to take ideas from different books uh, and apply them to our business? The car business hasn't changed in a hundred years and it was time that uh, we come up with some new ideas. Again, when you say, why couldn't we do it? And I, I, my reason, my, in my mind, I say, because you're all like really busy and you know, who has time to take, you know, I don't know how long it take a half hour out of your day or an hour out of your day to, to talk about something. How do you fit that into the schedule? You know, it's as simple as 10 minutes, either morning, afternoon, evening, take the book home. Uh, as you can see behind me, we've got lots of books here that just is a, you know, just a few of them. Uh, but literally I have hundreds of books in my office. Uh, they're all cataloged on a website so people can actually take, go on the website, take the book from my office, read it at their leisure. Uh, and then they, at the end, they have to write a book report on it that we can now all discuss. And that's all kept, uh, via the cloud. So people can pull that up at any time and we can talk about different ideas from different books and how we can apply that to our business. So you're a service director and librarian at the dealership. Yeah, pretty much. I've got uh, dual duty. And how many reports do you think there are up in that cloud that uh, folks can, can look at? Oh, we've probably got now probably 50, 60 of them. I booked the group read and kind of really implemented some, some real kind of, I guess, maybe a process improvements uh, called the, the goal. Tell me a little bit about that book and how you, if you came across it, someone else on the staff came across it. Yeah, uh, I actually came across this book a few years beforehand. Uh, and it was instrumental in changing department process and how we do things. Uh, as you know, in a service department, one of the biggest challenges is getting work through the shop. And we have always had that problem here. Uh, once we started reading this book, and this book is all about operational process and you know throughput through a, a fictional shop in the book. And you know it, it talks about you know robots and automate and automation not being, you know, maybe necessarily the best way to do things. So we started to really delve into the ideas of this book on how we could change the shop around to increase productivity, keep technicians in their base, keep them making money and increase the throughput of our shop. One of the things that we did see is we actually did a calculation with a few different technicians on actually how many steps they walk per day from their bay to the parts department and then to the service riders. These guys were clocking 25,000, 30,000 steps a day. This was crazy. They were out of their bays almost half the day, almost four hours. So what we decided to do was change things. So we spent some money, moved some hoists around, moved some people around, incorporated some other people like parts runners. And we actually brought that four hour time difference down to about 47 minutes. Wow. A huge improvement. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was. And how do you get staff to buy in? Number one, I, I guess the first part would be, how do you get them to buy in a little bit on reading the book, participating? Is there a little, you know, a little spiff, a little pay and, and bonus involved in this or? Absolutely there is. So all our books are cataloged and they have a dollar amount to them. So an easier read, a quick read, maybe it's an hour, hour and a half. I would pay one of our employees five bucks. And, you know, if it's a little more, uh, you know, complex, maybe it's 10 or $15. We get into something like, uh, you know, a Ray Dalio book or a Jordan Peterson book. Now all of a sudden we're up to 50 or a hundred dollars. 
But you know that really gets people on board. And what we found is that we've got people that have haven't read a book since high school reading books now and comparing ideas. So it sounds like the buy-in wasn't that difficult to you get them to read, but then also you say, okay, we're going to move hoist around. We're going to we're going to do some different things. And I'm guessing through maybe the discussion of the book, people saw the light kind of went up. Well, this makes total sense. Yeah. Once we started to have the conversations about what could be versus what we've always done, because that's one of the phrases that we hate at this store is we've always done it that way. You know, we like to change things. And I think if the staff gets really involved in the decision-making process and we're, we're collaborating on ideas from something that we read or seen, it makes a huge difference. And the staff really feels like they're participating in the advancement of the department and the dealership. And it keeps their, their interest and their investment vested into what we do. So they feel like they're really part of the success as opposed to they're being told what to do. I'm just, you know, from that, it just sounds like the, the culture, you know, probably was pretty good to start with, but it just sounds like because of this has really improved in your shop. hundred percent it has. Like most stores, you know, we were the same way where we had to kind of clicks of people and, you know, it, you know, for lack of a better term, it was like a prison yard with, uh, with the different groups. But now we have a real collaborative effort, not only with just the technicians, but technicians, advisors, parts, people, salespeople, the whole store. Uh, becomes involved in the decision-making processes for the better. And when they see the results and it amplifies what they're doing and ultimately their paychecks, everybody gets on board. You've been to enough conferences. I've been to enough conferences where they talk about that and that culture and everybody buying it, everybody seeing that they have a part, a role to play in making the shop better. And then every, when the shop does better, everybody does better. And Oh, 100%. And, it, and it's because, of, because of just some reading, some books, it's happened at your place. Yeah, we had a, a very interesting uh, time with a book called The Gold Standard, and it's a journey into uh, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel and how they do their process. One of the big problems that service writers have is that they do not have the opportunity or the autonomy to make decisions when it comes to helping out a customer uh, without going to a manager. And the Ritz-Carlton Hotel empowers all their employees with up to $2,000 in a month to spend to make a customer happy. And if you've ever been to a Ritz-Carlton hotel, it's a rather expensive place to go. And you want to make sure that the service you get is top-notch. So what we've done is we've actually empowered our service writers with a budget per month to make customers happy without having to come to me or come to any other outside of the management team. So they're empowered to have that budget, to have the autonomy to make decisions without having layers of complications. Because that's really what customers do not like is having to go through manager after manager after manager. Now we have it, they just deal with one person, they make the call. I back them up 100%. If it's the right call, great. If it's not, then we'll examine it, but I'm still going to back up the call. One thing customers hate to hear is, let me go talk to my manager about that. 100%. And that's why we got away from that, because that's just the worst. And I'll take your word on the Ritz Carlton thing, because I'm on the editor's salary. So, you know, I'm at the Best Western <laughs> most times. <laughs> well, Damon. Great having this conversation with you. Just uh, you sound like a great innovative shop uh, there in Alberta and really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Well, thank you very much for having me, Dan. Damon Egan is service director at Sherwood Ford in Sherwood Park, Alberta. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as Automotive News journalists Vince Bond Jr. and Hans Grimel for their help on today's podcast. 
You can get the latest news on service and parts, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a conversation with Neha Palmer, CEO and co-founder of Terawatt, which has big plans to charge EV fleets across America. If you enjoyed the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.